Welcome to an incomplete guide to world domination, a podcast by creators for creators, because together we can take over the world. I am your host, Brianna Toiber. This week we have the third and final installment of our interview with Kelsey Kaufman. The next week I get uh, an email from Norm and he asks about my target goal, like not target goal, but target salary, you know, because now he's actually kind of curious about hiring me now, you know, this, like this looks good. If someone's asking you about a target salary, this is a good thing. That means like they, they really like you, but now they want to see how much do you cost? Yeah. And this is tricky. I think people, um, people have to remember that, you know, you're not being rude if you ask a little bit more than the average. Because in the long run, like, you want to make sure you can survive, right? And you can pay your bills and still have money to do things that you need or want, like savings or go to the movies with friends. So I had to keep that in mind. And I've always been taught, even in grad school, that you've got to ask at least ten to 15000 more on your position. Now, statistically, uh, a lot of women don't feel comfortable doing that, I found oh, out. I, um, a lot of women don't. That. I actually read yeah. a really interesting book about that called the confidence code i definitely recommend it if you haven't read it but oh yes i would I definitely, definitely like to read it um with the you pick how much you want to make and then you ask for more than that because there will be a negotiation and yes exactly they may exactly. they may not go higher than that number but they may mm-hmm. also say yes to that number and voila you're now making more than you thought than you wanted to that is yeah that is very true. So, um, so this is what I did for those who are like, well, how much do I ask for 10 K to 15 K? Don't they tell me what the position cost is? No, they don't always tell you unless it's shown on the job description, how much the salary is, they most likely won't. And this is what companies do. Now people are like, well, isn't it illegal for them to ask you how much you make or how much your target salary is? Um, yes and no. So if a company asks, how much did you make at your last job? That is illegal. Just right, just saying that right now. If someone asks you that, you have every right not to tell them that because they're not supposed to know that. But they are allowed to ask, what is your target salary? Which means they want to ask you, like, how much would you like us to pay you if you work for us? Like, what is that salary goal? It's also a bit of how so much I, do you yeah. think you're worth? Yes, pretty much, yeah. Now, so I go on Glassdoor online, and that's a cool little website that you can kind of look at the average salaries and sometimes find interview questions, but I normally used it to find the average salary in the area. Mm-hmm. So I looked at the, the average salary, and it's about 55000 And I'm like, hmm. It's like, okay, I'm going to ask for 10000 more just for the heck of it. And because uh, I told myself, like, like, if they had to negotiate down, I would never go below 55000 So now I know where my min and max is. Mm-hmm. But what if they say yes to my goal target? And I'm also thinking, like, I would like to have money enough to pay some bills and, you know, like savings. You know, I want to do a lot of stuff with it. And I want to make sure I can live. <laughs> and so. Yeah. Living is um, I talk about it, yeah. Pursuing your career goals. It's hard mm-hmm. to make it in a career if you're dead. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I actually did go to MJ. So I, I asked MJ because I told him like, hey, this job looks pretty promising. You know, I think I'm going to ask for this. And he told me, you know, to be confident, too, because it, it is hard, especially for a woman. You know, I think I think people don't want to ask too much because they don't want to be rude or they don't want to look like they're um, greedy is another way. 
But at the same time, kind of like what you mentioned, you got to show how much you're worth. And to me, I'm all like, you know what? I, I just got to do this no matter how nervous I am. So I kind of decided to say like, I said 65000 And maybe that's not a lot for some people. But for me, that's like the most money I've ever made right now. Uh, I probably should, shouldn't be saying how much I make. But, you know, I don't care. I know people really want to know. So there you go. I make 65 k a year. There you go. I would love that. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyways, so I, I go ahead and say like, I, my target salary is 65000 And the email comes back from Norm. Is that a hard yes? And what he means by that is, am I negotiable with it or not? And I had to go back to MJ, message him, I think on Facebook saying, MJ, he asked me this. Do I, do I say yes? Because I really want to say yes, but I'm nervous because what if they don't hire me? And he's like, you just got to stick with it, you know, because you never know. Like, they'll negotiate if they need to. You know, of course, and I'm nervous again, right? Because I'm like, I don't want to lose this job opportunity. But I said, I got to stay strong again. So I answered Norm in the email. Yes, that is a strong yes. Not, I'm not going to budge. And in the email, I actually did write that the reason um, I actually had two different quotes for him. I because I understand they, they told me, though, normally they for new people, they are contractors for the first two months and they decide after that they want to make them full time mm-hmm. or not. So I get the two options um, I, on the contract option. My hourly rate was a little bit higher purposely because in my head, I'm like, if I'm fired or if I, not, I should say fired, but if I'm not, not continued as a contractor, I can make sure I have some little bit of money saved on the side yeah. but if i'm salary i made sure on salary though uh, it would equate to sixty-five thousand, like how much the hour would be mm-hmm. so that way it looks like i was a little cheaper on salary which would make me if you make me full-time i'm a little bit you know that's a lot be ch- cheaper for the company and still enough money for me um so i gave norm that and then i get the email back and they accepted the terms they actually said yes to the the sixty five thousand for the salary, and they sent me the work paper to sign for full time, and I was ecstatic. And they said, "When can you work?" I said, "I can work next week, like soon as on Monday." And they're like, "How about you come in on March 6th? You know, and I think that was a Wednesday, actually. Yeah, I think it was because it was Ash Wednesday. I don't know if anyone's Catholic, but um, I remember that. Probably. <laughs> uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I, I, unfortunately, my. The, the stats Lebson provides does not include the religious beliefs of my listeners, but probably. That's probably. Um, so I remember that it was March 6th was my first hiring date, and I pretty much went on projects with Norm. So you did ask me earlier about um, what do I do at, what did I do at Other Ocean, like, like past are, feature yeah, projects? Like what are some of the, what's some of the stuff that you're working on now or have worked on recently? Ah, yes. Okay. So the first video game I worked on Other Ocean was Medieval. They're in it uh, for a couple of years for production. And uh, we worked, um, Sony was our publisher. It was very, very fun experience. Uh, Norm, because he was known as the art manager, which is very interesting. So you can, you know, your full title might be something at the company, but based on what you do on the project, the title could change. So for Medieval, I was not known as an associate producer. Other Ocean I am, but on Medieval is known as the assistant art manager because uh, the art manager is Norm, and I was Norm's AP, and I assisted him where where it was needed. Yeah, that makes and, sense. And uh, I did, I did play that game a lot. Like, 
like a QA 101, you keep playing those levels over and over to double check. Is the bugs you found or what people have reported good? Is the art in that the artists put in so they did? Is that actually in the game? Uh, I would um, I would also check the bosses, right? And I would write design notes to kind of say like, I would rate it a 1 out of 10, you know, what I like and dislike about it. What are some rec recommendations they can use for the bosses if they need it? And I would, you know, pass it on to the lead designer, which was Glenn. And then Glenn can give it off to the designer that might need to see the bosses, which was Alex. Yeah, yeah so, well, I, was curious so I did about that. And then, design. oh yeah, bosses. Boss fights are very interesting in design. So, uh, but, and then another thing I did, I would do calls with Norm every once in a while, and they're at nighttime, unfortunately. I didn't like that all the time, but it was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. We had to talk with uh, Manila, Philippines, and Madrid, Spain, and they're normally at night when they're awake. Or sometimes we talk to Madrid, Spain when it's during the daytime for us, and it's nighttime for yeah, them. Yeah, because yeah. I think their dinner time is around our, like, 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. I have a friend there that goes there every <laughs> summer so i have to remember when he's there that time zones are a thing when i'm bugging him at six it's like 3 a.m <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's crazy the <laughs> reason i know that yeah so um i know with external teams it can get pretty pretty hard at times you know we worked with secret six you know um and norm would do that he would do calls i'm not kidding from like sunday night to thursday night every night and he had like two to three calls with like depending on what what we had to do in the project and i would go to some of them you know i'd listen i would kind of see what they're doing and once again i was not trained as an artist so the nice thing was norm didn't mind if i had questions in fact he actually loved that i had questions and so did mike and other people in the office because to me personally i feel like if i don't understand something if i can't communicate to someone properly i need to ask questions and ask so it questions normal yeah it shows that you care enough to not pretend like you know everything yes i i didn't want to pretend that i know something because that'd be really dumb you know i i do believe like you should be honest and if you don't understand something, ask you're not gonna look dumb for asking mm -hmm. and other ocean's been very very kind enough to you know, um, let me kind of grow as a producer and designer too. They they love that I know different disciplines, so it works for a lot of their projects, which is why I was a bit a big fit for them. Mm -hmm. So um, so I would ask Norm about some questions on the art. I would also ask Emily some of the art terminology that she was given out because I wanted to make sure I understood correctly. And I started taking the notes at all the production meetings. No one asked me to. I just kind of decided to do it. You know, I was like, all right, what can I do? So I was like, I'm just going to take notes for the heck of it. And which is pretty good because people enjoyed my notes because I was very detailed in them. And, and mind you, I'm writing this all this. I'm not typing it because I want to make sure people can hear each other. So I'm writing really quickly and messy handwriting. I forgive everyone that sees my messy handwriting when I'm writing fast. But I do type it all up nice and pretty for everyone. And I send it off. And I did the thing for all of Norm's meetings, except for the night calls. I don't do the... The notes for the night calls, that's going to be the other person's job on the other line or in the other country because I'm just there to listen and chat in when I need to. Um, but if it's at other ocean, like the daytime, I will take notes to the meetings I go to. Yeah. Um, so I did that a lot. And, just, and then I'm the, sure it was hmm? very much appreciated. 
Oh yeah, people liked it. Everyone worked on so much other projects. It was very interesting, uh, especially someone that is, you know, kind of new to the industry a little bit. You know, I did indie, like it's some indie game dev, but you know, working something that would be considered more AAA studio is pretty big. Even though we're considered a work for hire studio, um, we do make some games that are AAA, not always indie game style. And Medieval, I would consider is my opinion would be considered more AAA. You know, Sony published it. Sony, you know, budgeted us in. They worked with us. And that was also fun, too, to kind of work with Sony as well. I had a lot of fun with them. Uh, dude George, you know, from Sony, he was, he cracked me up. He was so passionate about Medieval. And I think the one thing that him and even the other devs and my myself agreed was, and to any game project or any game developer out there, the one thing that everyone feels when they make a game is, we don't want to let the fans down. We don't want to let our players down. And we never, ever want to publish something that, you know, is bad or crappy, as some people would say. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it really means a lot, a lot to us. You know, like, we don't like it when people it's your, your baby. feel bad about you the game and hate it. Yeah, it's like a baby. Love it. You want it to be the yeah. best baby before you let it loose into the world. Yeah, and people are just so, I mean, people don't realize that people have gone to crunch time for the fans and the audience, mm -hmm. right? People have, um, you know, sacrificed their vacation times and, you know, haven't been with their families long enough because we're trying to make a deadline. And people forget that in the game industry that when people complain about like, oh my gosh, they pushed a deadline, you know, they don't realize the other end, like, well, they want to make it perfect. And that pushing the deadline doesn't mean they're not in crunch time. You know, my friend Dylan works at Elastos too, and man, they're pushing it, right? You know, they like, they're really cranking out to make sure the game's good. Yeah. I can't really talk about that because that's not my project and stuff, but I, yeah. you know, they're working hard that's at it. it. So yeah, I know some so people at, who yeah. work at, I know a couple people who work at Gearbox and I got to hear some of their stories about like one person sort of fell behind on something. So, um, yeah, we, we, didn't see a lot of him for a while because he oh, yeah. was kind of in crunch time. Yeah. Thankfully, he was afterwards, he was able to take some uh, vacation, and I don't think he's been in that way since then. But yeah, it was, it was definitely oh, yeah. interesting to see as it got closer and closer to being done. And then when it got officially announced and they could finally, like, actually talk about it, because before then it was yeah. always they were working on the thing upstairs because um gearbox is in the same building as a coffee shop there's a coffee shop on the oh, bottom okay. floor so uh i would have a i go to a meetup there where it's just we talk about stuff that's going on in the game industry and that's where i met Ooh, them cool yeah that's it was a lot of fun awesome. so, like they finally got like after it was like officially announced, like we knew exactly what they were working on, but they couldn't say it. And once they could, they were just so excited and so happy. Yeah, yeah, it's always cool when people get excited about stuff. Yeah. Um. So, so pretty much uh, when people go into crunch time, like it, it's very emotional and physical, and I hope people that maybe that aren't game developers but really love playing games i hope they understand that even with medieval you know they went into crunch time for about two, two to three weeks but jeff the executive producer made sure to explain to everyone like hey he's like you know we're gonna work a little bit longer hours uh other ocean will provide dinner for us i thought that was pretty nice so 
Um, so I didn't go into crunch time too much purposely because I had to commute back and I, you know, I have to make sure I catch my ride and take the BART and train. So yeah, it takes like a good hour and a half to sometimes, sometimes if it's busy traffic, two hours to get home and it's very exhausting. And I imagine the buses close after a certain point. Yeah, they'll close. Like those Emory go rounds there, there won't be open after certain hours. Now it's not that I didn't want to stay. Um, I just literally couldn't because of my commute. And I know if I get home, like, I feel like if I had to stay there, I wouldn't be able to go home if I had a crunch time, the whole thing. So a majority of people had a crunch time, but uh, a couple of people, you know, might have to get off a little bit earlier, like myself and others, because they have, they have a long way to Mm go. They have to like go back to South Bay or somewhere. Most people live in Alameda, which is very close to Emeryville. Uh, so they, you know, they had to do it. But it wasn't a long thing. And Jeff made sure to explain to everyone. And dinner was always provided for those that had to stay longer, which I thought was very kind of them. So, which I thought was pretty cool. Other Ocean uh, always makes sure they take, care of their, <clears throat> they take care of their employees, you know, as best as they can. They want to mm-hmm. make sure every employee is happy. Um, they understand people have families or what if a relative gets sick, you have to go visit him or her ASAP. Um, they understand, you know, people commute here and they're very friendly. You also can bring your dogs. So that was pretty cute. Oh, I love Um, places where you can bring your pets to work. Yes. And, um, one, Bobby has a little dog named Izzy Uh and she, you know, it's a little chihuahua mix. I, I don't know. I think it's a terrier chihuahua mix because it's pretty tiny. It looks like a terrier at times, but it has the big ears to me sometimes like a chihuahua. Um, but I had to dog sit my brother's husky. Her name is Suka, and she's a, she's a runt of a husky. So she is the size of a five to six month old husky puppy, but she was nine years old. Oh. And I had to take care of her. Oh. Yeah. And she doesn't howl. She doesn't bark. She does like very rarely will she bark. I've heard her bark every once in a while when she gets excited. Mm-hmm. And I've heard her um, bark maybe if she has to back someone off, right? If she has to growl. And very rarely mm-hmm. does she go into protection mode. But, you know, at least I knew if I had her, hey, I'll be safe. You know, that dog will protect me like night and day if we're out in public. I know that. But she's very friendly. Mm-hmm. And so you just see this little black and white fluff ball, you know, just laying everywhere. And she, oh, she was sneaky at the office. We had this project <laughs> called Tank Ball on Mixer. And she, she, okay. If anyone's never had a husky, watch out. They are escape artists when they want to, and they are very smart. And she, she wasn't really big on escaping, but she was sneaky, like a little ninja. Oh, and uh, one of the are, yeah. quiet so, ones, you have to be careful. Yes, exactly. She's super quiet. Um, but I, so I caught her doing two things, which really cracked me up. Um, so there's this project called Tank Ball at Other Ocean, and it's actually a mixer project where you can play the little tanks on this huge table at work anywhere in the world by clicking the mix play button. And I would sometimes host that uh, the mixer streams on there with some of the people, like my friend Patrick uh, ran it for a while, and then also Dane was the other one that ran it, or Dr. Dane, as we called. <laughs> and so Suka, so Suka noticed that when you make a goal, because the tank balls are kind of like soccer, you try and get these little balls in the goal, and you have blue versus red, and then this little cool contraption at the bottom kind of has the balls roll in this little box at the bottom, like on the ground. Now Suka saw this, and you, you know, I've noticed she's tilted her head, she's looked at the box, and she's never, she's just stuck her head in the box, but she never took anything. Until one day, or maybe a couple times. 
because finally I noticed something. Um, I caught her because so I noticed the dog would look at me. It would actually make sure I'm busy before she took one of the balls, little soccer balls. They're like soft little squishy balls. And she'd go hide under Jody's desk and just chew on it. And and so I had to catch her. I'm like, Suka. I was like, you can't. I'm trying not to laugh. That's dogs for you. But she's so smart, right? And it cracked me out. So I had to like, uh, I had to take it away. I said, Suka. Or I I call her Suka Sue. That's like one of her nicknames. Like Suka Sue, Suka Wuka. Um really cute little animal names a puppacy of puppers you know but um so i so suka i told her like suka you can't be doing that so i had to put it back and she normally listens because now if i catch her i like look at her and i do like the whole like i'm watching you movement with the hands with the two fingers you know pointing Mm -hmm. to her in my eyes and then she understands and she goes back to her desk she'll make like a little (sighs) and (laughs) it's kind of funny um the second time i caught her being a little bad girl and it cracked me up again was i was wondering like where is this dog and i'm thinking like oh maybe she's chilling out in the conference room on those couches and i'm at my desk and on one of the monitors i have twitch on because we also do twitch streaming for digital eclipse mm-hmm. so other ocean also is known as digital eclipse those are more the retro gaming and we did recently publish the lion king and aladdin game for all three main consoles which uh, xbox one as well as ps4 except it says digital eclipse not other ocean the same entities just different titles and you know i, I noticed that steven frosty and um i think patrick too or maybe it was john someone was playing twitch and on one of the games and then i look over the monitor and who do i see there is suka <laughs> suka who's not supposed to be in the back room without me suka that is you know just Toddler, like just walking around in there and i'm like oh my gosh i'm gonna get in trouble and i quickly walked back there and i look at her i said suka and she just looks at me and she's like and i can't like make sounds because she just looks at me and i said come here and i do like the whole hand movement so she understands she knows my hand signals so it's really brilliant for a dog mm-hmm. i thought and i kind of say come on we gotta go and she starts running outside of the arcade room and uh and she'll look at me and, I'll, and she sees me keep walking, and now she wants me to chase her. And it just cracks me up. So she knows she got in trouble. <laughs> oh um, but uh, I love dogs. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so that's the fun adventures of Suka. Um, people would see her on the tank ball cameras, because all these little the tank ball cameras, um, you, you look around the office, they had first person, and they also had top-down cameras. It was really, really awesome. But anyway, sorry, I kind of went off. But uh, so yeah, we do have dogs in the office right now. There's only one. Suka had to go back to my brother after I finished dog sitting for a few months, and she's happily running on the beaches with my brother down in Southern California. She's a happy puppy. Uh, so, other projects I do work on. Um, the ones there is, I can't really say too much about it. There is a mobile project. Yeah. So there's a mobile project I work on, and that one I'm more of associate producer. Um, I do talk to more of the designers on it. Uh, because um, Norm likes that I have design background, and which is a good thing because he wanted to make sure, like, hey, on this mobile project, I'd like your feedback. He's like, I need something to look from the treetops, not be on the ground, right? You know, I, I want to make sure someone overlooks and kind of sees this stuff and catches things. So I kind of would look over a lot of the stuff that they had. And one thing was the narrative. Um, I, the first time I reviewed the narrative... Um, it, it's not their fault. I'm going to say that right now, you know, they're really great people. They're at S6. And um, the problem is, just like anyone, if English or another language is not your first language, you're going to kind of get a, a little confused on maybe some writing or you don't know what the proper grammar or the right sentence structure is sometimes. And so I noticed a lot of these weird 
phrases. And some of the phrases, I know they didn't mean to be mean, but it came off really mean, some of them, right? Like, like if you kind of, it's not nice to tell your players, um, hey, you should do this because you act like this, or, uh, or they talk about physical attributes. Um, and I kind of had to explain to them, I said, but I was like, we can't say that. Like, we can't have anything political being said. We can't have anything that could be rude to the players. It's like, we want to make sure the characters that we have in the narrative are lovable and people can connect to them and people really enjoy them. So I've had to, uh, I remember the first time I reviewed, I had to fix like 80 to 90% of the writing because some of it was really bad in grammar. Um, a lot of, like, it was tiring. They're like 80 pages, right? It's, they're cute. They're a lot of pages. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it takes like a good few days even a week to even finish it sometimes because i'm really looking this while i'm working on medieval too so i have to like really branch out my time and kind of schedule it all during the day um and i I kind of would do that over i would kind of look over the you know review anything they did sorry um i was trying not to burp but (laughs) that's what (laughs) all that green tea is making me burp That's what mm-hmm. editing's for. Perfect. So and I'm just glad my so, mic isn't picking up my stomach because it's been it's been growling a lot. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't notice anything. So yay. Um, so I go ahead and look over the the narrative, and I've done like a few passes. Normal also do passes, and he's done a couple of changes. Um, but and, and it wasn't the per, you know the people's fault. They understand. Now they recently did get some other new narrative designers. Uh, Nicole and July are their names. Very, very nice people. And um, and they definitely did know English a lot better because um, a couple of people did know English more than others in the Philippines, and I thought that was pretty cool. And so they would kind of also um, put in the, the remarks that I had, and they put in some of the sentences I wrote, and then there might be some areas where they kind of uh, spice it up and make sure the personality is in there. And I'll double check to see like, okay, is this personality matching? Is it not matching? And then I might fix it if the personality isn't matching. And overall, it, it did pretty well. And so I, um, so that, that's actually pretty good. Uh, other things I did was I was able to design specific features in this mobile app that got put in the game. And for someone that does love design, I'm super ecstatic about that. I can tell people like, oh, you know, this is my feature. I can't say publicly yet. I wish I could, mm-hmm. but there's just a fun um, area where people just taps and you'll know where it is. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. So, uh, but hopefully, you know, that will be coming out publicly soon. And when that is more, I'll definitely announce oh, yeah. it. I, but, you know, just I so, will definitely yeah. give you a signal boost. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I really I appreciate signal boost that. All of my friends. Yeah. Ah, thank you. I appreciate that. Even the uh, so, people who already have big followings, because I was like, this can't hurt. Oh. <laughs> it never hurts, yeah. Mm. This tea's really good, too. I, I do love green tea. It's one of my, like, if people don't know what tea to get me, just get me green tea. You can give it to me plain. I don't mind, as long as it's green tea. I love it. Uh, <laughs> except it has to be hot. I hate cold. I hate cold green tea. I hate yeah, it so much. I don't like it. It's not the best. Um, so there are a couple other, I did, uh, I have a special thanks on another game. Um, I don't want, I can't really announce that either. So, and it's kind of hard. I, I feel bad <laughs> that I can't tell you too much That's about fine. it. You've um, had a lot of pretty interesting yeah. stories so far, so. I try, I, I try. Have to wait yeah. in suspense. Unfortunately, there's that suspense. Yeah. But, uh, but there are a lot of. Like, there are upcoming games that I know that we'll be doing soon, and I could tell everyone that's listening and to you as well. 
you're all going to love it, what comes out. And I know that everyone that at that company has worked really, really hard. Um, you know, they really try their best. And I think the best part is they really feel passionate about it. And, it, you know, it's hard. We want to, like, again, we want to make sure that the people that play the games, you know, really enjoy it, right? That we gave them the game that they really wanted. And as a game developer myself, you know, I, I feel very happy when someone is happy about the game they're playing. So, like, with Medieval, um, when Medieval came out, and I noticed, because we did, like, a, a demo before the official game came out. And the demo is pretty cool because the original PS1 game also had a demo disc about the same levels. And so as tradition, we did that too, to give people opportunities. So I kind of would watch people on Twitch and you know, I kind of see what they're doing. It was also interesting to see what are the public doing. And believe it or not, I noticed they caught two or three bugs that people missed. <laughs> And so I had to, so when I watched, yeah, so when I watched people do this and there's like a new build that's for the main game, I saw what people did on Twitch and I'm like, I got to see if this is fixed. And I go in the build and what do you know? One of the bugs was not fixed. Two of them were already, but not one. And I actually had to report that saying, hey, this is still going on. Like I saw it on live <laughs> streaming. Uh, we might need to fix this in the next build. I, I, I think I forgot to tell probably the QA people at Sony, um, you know, little thing um in the slack channels mm -hmm. uh but the fun part was when the, the medieval game actually came out so the original game on the ps1 came out on october october 1st about i think it was 20 years ago they said and then the the remake of it came out on october 25th so we kept we, you know they made sure it's still october which i thought was pretty mm -hmm. cool and it is it's not like it's not scary scary uh but it is kind of spooky fun right it has that halloween vibes and with skeletons and zombies mm -hmm. and just cool sorcery really fun cute like cute little game and i would watch people twitch stream about medieval and you know i kind of would comment on some of them because people say oh it's like i don't know what to do here and so i'd kind of you know, since I've been playing all those levels so many times, I kind of say like, um, it's like, would you like my advice? You know, first I ask, because some people don't want spoilers and they'll say yes or no. And if they say yes, I said, so maybe you want to try over here in this, this position over there, right? Uh, but one person I remember particularly, and his name on Twitch is X Spoken Galaxy. And he's some, he's a, I think it's about probably between six or eight or 20 range, right? I think he's still a teenager, like maybe 17 or 18. Mm -hmm. And he was playing Medieval. And, uh, and so I decided to watch this guy. This guy was going to try and finish the whole game in one sitting. That's and impressive. I, I got kind of curious. Yeah, I got pretty curious, right? So I kind of come in when he's a little bit, he's probably around like probably level four or five, I think, at that time. And so I'm watching at my desk. I'm kind of curious to see what's going on. And, uh, you know, I kind of comment a little bit, you know, about kind of help him out when he needs it. And he, then he would start asking me for help. He's like, hey, he's like, Lightning Cloud, you know, do you know uh, what I can do here or there? And I said, are you sure you don't want to try it on your own? He's like, oh, no. He's like, it's okay. You know, you, you can tell me. So I kind of tell him to do. And then he, always, then he commented, like he said on Twitch saying like, like, wow, you know a lot about this game. Have you already played it? And mind you, it just came out. And so my answer was, yeah, I kind of played it, which wasn't a lie. I um so i so it was just kind of funny like this guy you know i'm watching him play and it's really cool to see not just him but the streamers get excited 
for people to have nostalgia, right? Like the thought that people are having so much nostalgia about it, I thought was a cool feeling to see. And I know the people, the other devs loved it too. You know, they love bringing that happiness. And I think the funniest moment was where the guy, the Expo King Galaxy, he finished the game. He did it. And so I'm wow. just waiting because the credits are going to roll, right? And he actually got the good ending. And for those who don't know, you want to get all the chalices to get the good ending, okay? Mm -hmm. That's how you get, like, the, the secret ending. Um, and so I noticed, I, there I did, like, sorry, there, there I see it. I see my name. And I type in, like, oh, look, there's my name in the credits. And he reads my comments, and you just see him pause. He stops talking, and he smiles and looks down because <laughs> he just realized who has been watching his stream was one of the devs. And, um, and you know what? As someone, yeah. as someone who straight, as someone who, <laughs> well, I still have a Twitch account. I just haven't used it in a while. I yeah. would, I would be like, Oh my God. Hi. Hi. How yeah, have you been watching? <laughs> yeah. And I, I just enjoyed watching people's reaction. And I think, I told him for sure. I don't think I told any other people on Twitch because based on it, I just kind of wanted to tell him because he actually beat it and I saw my name. And I'm like, I'm going to tell this guy who I am. Um, so I just mentioned like, hey, there's my name in the credits, smiley face, and just his look. And then um, I noticed after that, like a few days later, he started to follow me on Twitch. And then he watched one of my streams when I was playing Medieval. And he's like, you really do work on the game. <laughs> and he was so... Like, he wanted to make sure that was true, because it says in my summary, like, I work at Other Ocean, you know, and, and so I wasn't lying. It's like, oh, I really do work on it, yeah. And it was kind of cool, and he follows me on Discord, and, you know, a very, very nice kid, you know, and, and I, I kind of check out some of his streams every once in a while when I'm not busy, but, like, that was one of my favorite moments with the whole After Medieval's release and seeing it. It was super cool. Um, and it's also my first console game that I've ever published in the game industry. And that's a huge milestone for me um, as a gift. So, like, like, I talk about my dad and my family a lot because family really means a lot to me. And it was my immediate family that really, you know, supported me and believed me. Yeah, they probably had their doubts every here and there. But when they noticed I was being serious about this, they, they really took the idea serious, too. So for my dad, um, he was the one that bought me... My first video game that I fell in love with, Ocarina of Time, from the Zelda series on Nintendo 64 on my eighth birthday. I remember this all. Um, it's like, it's still one of the most best memories of the whole day. My dad took me out to dinner in my little white little dress. It was tradition that my dad would take us out as kids, like up until we were teenagers, uh, like before we, like after we graduated high school, he would take us to dinner personally. He wanted to make sure every year, all the kids on their birthday had a special one-on-one -on -one time dinner with him. And he'd take, he'd take us to any fancy restaurant, oh, right? He would so say- sweet. Yeah, so, and he didn't have a lot of money, I know, and neither did my mom, but he always made sure he had enough money to take us to any fancy restaurant we wanted, and we'd get anything we want. He just wanted to make sure we had a happy memory with him. And so that also goes with the, the Zelda game. So for my dad, I gave him a really special gift. It was, I signed the video game Medieval for him, and then I went around the entire office and had everyone that worked on the game sign it for him. And I couldn't Aww. get two people. I couldn't get Alex's and Glenn because they were sick or they're out, unfortunately. But um, and then for Chris, uh, not for Christmas, for his birthday, because his birthday is in October. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of funny. But I, I had to wait when I come back into Bakersfield because I can't go down every month. Right. It's very difficult for me. Yeah. And expensive at times. So when I, next time I saw him, you know, I had this cool gift. And um, 
you know, I wrap it all up and I gave it to him. And I said, dad, I said, this is a one in a kind gift that no one has, you know, and he opens it and he sees it and he realized it's the video game with all the signatures. And he was, he was really taken aback for it. He, you know, he was so happy that I thought about this for him because to me, I want something special to show like here, dad, it's like, here's, here's my first video game in the industry. Like, here's my first published game. I want you to have it. And, um, and he has it too. He has it still, uh, still now on the mantle where the fireplace is. That's not being used by the way. They don't use the fireplace in Bakersfield. <laughs> but, uh, you just don't. It's actually not allowed to use their fireplace because of the smog, unfortunately, that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has it with all the pictures, right? And, uh, and it's just very special. And I thought that was a cool moment with my dad. Um, and then when it came out, when the game came out, Medieval, uh, my boss, Norm, because I did tell Norm, I'm like, Norm, it's like, it came out. The game's published. It's so exciting. And he's like, yeah. He's like, let's go to GameStop. I said, okay, because we're, we're going to buy these video games. Like, we're going to buy Medieval. And, uh, and so I go, and Norm, Norm asks for two copies of Medieval. And he says, Kelsey, he's like, this is your first game that's been published in the game industry. I'm going to buy it for you. This, I'm going to buy your first game for you that you've made. And it was so, it was a really touchy moment. Like, like he's a really cool boss. You know, he's a great mentor. Um, you know, he really helps me out a lot. Like he'll give me rides to the Caltrain and the Bart sometimes to help me out because he knows I walk so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I thought that was very special. And so I had two copies, right? Because you get a free copy no matter what when you're making a mm-hmm. game. And so I gave the copy from work to my dad with all the signatures. And the copy that Norm gave me, I kept that for myself because that was special to me. That oh, it's like this. You know, this person was really, you know, meaningful and kind enough to, you know, make it a special moment for me. I took a picture of it with Suka in the background, like, because she was with me, right? So Suka was there with my first video game. And uh, I I wanted to put Suka in the credits, but we couldn't do that. <laughs> um, unfortunately, so many put dogs in the credits. would be confused by that. Well, I know. I mean, Toys for Bob did it on Spyro Trilogy. So I'm like, oh, maybe we could do that too. Because I've seen other companies, their credits do it. But, you know, it's okay. She was there with me. So that that's what matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those are just really fun times. So Medieval was definitely, I think, my break-in game. It was a um, very fun experience. Everyone at the office is great. I wish I could tell you a little bit more about the other projects. But I, uh, <laughs> I'm not supposed to. I can't go too much detail with uh, it. We, but, we can yeah. always come back later. I think we, we're we almost going on two hours. So I think it might be like, time to wrap it up. And any last parting comments oh, yeah, you want to make? Um, let's see. There could be a lot. Uh, I would say definitely um, if you're in the Bay Area, in San Francisco Bay Area around March, on March 18th, 2020, we're going to be holding our Women in Games, or it could be called Women in Gaming. We're still double-checking if we want that title or not, for the free conference that we'll be holding. And it's free to anyone, whether you're aspiring, indie game dev, AR, VR person, better in the game industry, a student, or just someone very enthusiastic about games. You're welcome to come to this conference for free uh, to meet uh, women and allies that are in the game industry to talk about their experiences and what they do and be on panels. And it's going to be so much fun. We're going to do giveaways also. Um, you know, we're going to make sure that it's on Twitch too, for those that can't go to San Francisco, just going to be so much fun. Um, and you're welcome to come too, Brianna, if you like, if you're in the Bay area around that time. So probably and, won't be, yeah. but I will definitely oh, have to watch be. part of it on Twitch. I, I live in Texas. Yes. 
Oh, that's true. That's true. You do live in Texas. And I guess for those that are trying to break into industry, um, we all have different backgrounds. And if you're someone like me that kind of came up not really knowing how to use computers, you know, you couldn't, your family couldn't afford all the high tech stuff. Um, and you worked hard, like, you know, you go to school, you work hard, you, you study diligent. It's okay. You know, if you really want to be in the game industry and you feel very compassionate about it, yeah, and it's still hard, but you still want it that much, you're, you're doing it right. You know, you're going you're gonna to do it. You just have to keep working on it. It's going to be okay. You'll have your ups and downs, but you really want it. You'll get it. And that's what I always thought, and that's what I do. Because in my head, this is what I always thought. Ever since I was a kid, I was like, if he or she can do that, why can't I? And that's the phrase I've used, and look where I am now. Now I make video games, and it's pretty fun. I, I love that so. phrase because kind of one of my goals in life is to build something where people look at me and think, well, she did it. Why can't I? And that's why I did this podcast exactly. so people can have more people to look at and be like, that person did this. If they can yeah, do it, I and can do that's it a too. huge thing. Yeah. And then uh, I definitely want to thank like my family, like I, I do t- talk about my dad, you know, he was a big influence because he loved video games. But like my other siblings, my mom were there too. Like my mom, you know, was always there to pick me up in school. And um, she was a really, you know, a great mom because she all stayed home and take care of us. And she knew I love video games. And I tried to talk to her about the video games I play. She might not always understand what I'm talking about, but she always enjoyed listening to me. And she always supported me in all my schools and everything. So I was always happy to have my mom have uh, right back. And then my little sister, she would always tell people that she thought I was the smartest person that she knows. But in reality, I always thought she was smarter too. Aww. You know, it's like everyone has their strong strengths. And the women that I look up to in my life aren't people in the game industry. I look up to my mom and sister. You know, they're hardworking people and they're very kind. And, you know, I would, I want to be known as a kind person too. I want to know as a, be as a good person in life. You are a very, and then with my kind brother, and a very yeah. good person, and I definitely very Aww, much appreciate you. <laughs> you coming on this show to tell your story, because it's yeah. inspiring. You've done a lot and accomplished a lot, and I look forward to seeing what you do in the future. Oh, thank you. And then, uh, I guess with my brother, he uh, he's pretty cool. I play video games with him at times. Um, and there's funny stories with my brother. I can always tell it another time if you ever have me on your podcast. I'll tell you funny stories about my brother and me. But the one thing my brother did before I went to college was, and he didn't have a lot of money. Because again, we, you know, we don't have a lot of money. Um, he went down to a comic book store and he picked up Star Wars novels and comic books. And he gave them to me before I left UC Santa Cruz. And he's like, here, he's like, I want you to have this so you can be inspired and be creative with what you make. And I have those comic books and books to this day um, because to me, like that was him showing like, hey, I support you and this is what I'm going to offer you to help you. And I still have them, you know, to this day, they're very momentum. I would never get rid of them because that meant a lot to me that my brother did that for me. So my family means a lot to me. And if it wasn't for them, you know, I don't know if I get this far in life without them, without their support and love. So, yeah, I really appreciate you being like having me on the podcast as well, Brianna. It's really fun. Yeah, it's uh, been a lot of fun yeah. hearing your story, and I look forward to sharing it with the world. I'm, I know there's going to be a lot of people who will appreciate and hopefully be inspired by what all you've accomplished. I hope so. I don't know, but I hope it's a good story. I don't know, honestly, because to me, I, I'm like, yeah, you know, 
I guess when I think of other people that make it big and everything, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. But then time. again, even yeah, I think so. You yeah. Still have time. Um, do you We're have just time? going? Oh, I mean, no, it's it's up to you. We can end it if you like. Um, but it's pretty cool. I think uh, a lot of people always look at others say like, oh, they're so successful, and we forget to take a step back in our own life and realize. You're successful, too. You just don't realize all the hard work you did to get there. And that's what I kind of have to do this. Like, when I did your podcast, I thought about it. I'm like, wow, I really did do a lot, huh? I guess I don't feel that way. But it's kind of cool. And I hope I did inspire other people to go out and do their dreams like I did. I just followed my dream. I had people contact me. and Like, they told me, like, people contact me asking me on Facebook, like, hey, I got inspired to go back to college because of you. Uh, you know, I had people that had doubted me in the past and saw what I was doing. It's like, wow, it's like, you really did it. You really accomplished what you went out for. And it's a, it's a weird feeling, but I'm happy. You know, I, I'm glad I chose this career and I just look forward to the next chapter in this career. Just like you look forward to your cool podcast. You know, I'm excited for this podcast to go off. I think it's like the coolest name ever. Yeah, you know, like, oh, I, I was going <laughs> to call it How to Take Over the World, but that one was already taken. <laughs> So I oh no! Um, I, I I like the guide approach. That was so funny. I'm like, oh, and reading the summary, I'm like, yeah, this looks they're, pretty cool. They're, the they're guide really, to world domination. I sometimes played with the idea of changing it to like, you do what? But I was like, mm, no, no, I like it. I like it too much. An incomplete guide to world domination is directed and produced by Brianna Toybert as part of Pseudonym Social, a creative podcast network. Music is by Patrick Chester of Chester Studios. You can find more of his work at chesterstudios.net. If you would like to help support our show, you can find us at patreon.com slash pseudonymsocial. You can also leave a review on iTunes to make our show easier to find for those who need it. For more information on the other shows produced by Pseudonym Social, please check out our website at pseudonymsocial.wordpress.com.